Good morning and welcome. And the Lord be with you. And grace and peace to us all in the name of Christ our Lord. It is Christ who invites us here, Christ who is the most gracious of hosts, as he has prepared the table for us and as he meets us in the word proclaimed. It is a joy to share with you in this time of worship. Especially those who may be visiting, uh, are, we are blessed by the presence of our guests, and I would remind us all of the registration pads we find to our right or left. It's helpful for you to sign those uh, because we, we're grateful to know that you share with us in this time of worship here at First Church. As we prepare to worship God together, welcome back to the choir. The choir had taken July off, and Jill, welcome. We are blessed by their many gifts as we worship together, and uh, grateful again that you're with us. Grateful for the ministry opportunities before us as well. Just a reminder, there may be those among us who um, have particular interest in security concerns. If so, you're invited to be a part of the workshop that will be hosted in our fellowship hall from 9 until 4 o'clock tomorrow. Also, as we move deeper into uh, the summer months, into the fall, remember the Living Faithfully study that will take place beginning at September. And then all are invited to be a part of the Five Talent Academy. We have hosted many of these events, have found them to be very helpful. Uh, so that is before us on October the 30th. And the final movie will be shown uh, for the summer before the women's studies resume on August the 21st. As we worship God together, we are grateful for the opportunity to meet God through our service. We will see that highlighted uh, throughout our worship as you see that there will be a mission witness offered by Linda Adams and Vicki Harm. And also many thanks to those who continue to help with the ministry of feeding uh, the Piedmont residents who have been displaced by fire. If you'd like to help with this ministry, there's still the opportunity to meet here each Tuesday and Thursday at 8.30 to help prepare the meals that are then picked up by Piedmont. So again, many thanks to all the efforts that have made this ministry possible. The table is before us. We will share scripture from Exodus and the Gospel of John, speaking of the bread from heaven, and grateful as we share in the scripture to meet Christ at table. We prepare to worship God together.
Our call to worship is before us. I invite us to stand as we share in this call. God of healing and of transformation, we hunger and thirst for your abundant life. We bring you our despair and ask for the bread of hope. We bring you our weariness and ask for the bread of inspiration. We share in the singing of I Come With Joy, number 617. seated. I invite us to go to God as we pray. Our opening prayer is before us. God of hope, when your hungry people longed for the slave food of Egypt, you opened the doors of heaven and rained down manna. Feed us with the bread of life at your table, that we may taste the freedom of eternal life and lead lives worthy of our calling through Christ our Lord. Amen. Speaking of the bread of heaven, we share from the Old Testament, from Exodus, the 16th chapter. First we pray. 
Lord, we pray for daily bread, but you pour the heavenly bread, the bread that feeds us, sustains us even to eternal life. Inspire the word as it is proclaimed. May it feed us and satisfy us to more faithful worship and service of you. In Jesus' name, amen. And the whole congregation of the people of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness and said to them, Would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the flesh pots and ate bread to the full. For you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day that I may prove them whether they will walk in my law or not. And Moses said to Aaron, Say to the whole congregation of the people of Israel, Come near before the Lord, for he has heard your murmurings. And as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the people of Israel, they looked toward the wilderness, and behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. And the Lord said to Moses, I have heard the murmurings of the people of Israel, Say to them, At twilight you shall eat flesh, and in the morning you shall be filled with bread. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God. In the evening, quails came up and covered the camp, and in the morning dew lay round about the camp. And when the dew had gone up, there was on the face of the wilderness a fine flake-like thing, fine as hoarfrost on the ground. When the people of Israel saw it, they said to one another, What is it? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, It is the bread which the Lord has given you to eat. This is the word of our Lord. We well, as a worshiping people, we are a serving people, and now we are, uh, it is our great joy to hear about the service and the mission of, mission of witness as Linda Adams and Vicki Harm will come forward. took my, my opening line. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, Linda and I have been co-chair people of the mission committee for a couple of years now. And we have a meeting once a month, every, uh, once a second month on Wednesday. second Wednesday of every month. And we were together down at the Uptown Mission Center when Annette came in and said, well, look, you two are always here talking. So she identified us as the mission minions. She kind of identifies a lot of people with terminology because she called Martha McGee and Gail Vogler the Twisted Sisters. So being called the mission minions was kind of a compliment for us. But our committee would like to share information of a new mission with you. One we have been talking about in our meetings and praying about in our monthly meetings for several months. I was told to get real close. <laughs> One of our volunteers, Jacqueline 
Little Feather. At, uh, she's been a volunteer for years. At one time, she was a uh, closed closet uh, director. Jackie works with the closed closet. She works with the lunch bunch. And as we need her and call her, she will come and help with the food bank. She always comes with a smile and a willingness to work. Jackie was homeless as a child. And as a young adult, she became a caregiver. Well, one of the families that she provided loving care for, the lady decided to give her a small home. The home was structurally sound, but it needed lots of work. It had wires running like across the roof, her electrical wires, just right above the roof. It uh, needed a new roof, it needed gutters, it needs exterior paint, it needs floor support, a light in the bedroom, insulation in the attic and the floor, replacement of all windows, and a vapor barrier in the crawl space. In our mission committee meetings, we discussed how to finance this project and accomplish what needed to be done to get Jackie's house up to code. We were introduced to Steve Ogilby from the Knights of Columbus, who requested and received a grant of $3,000 from this organization. Through prayers and discussions again about this project, we also received a donation of $2,600 for the roof and gutters. A grant from the Morning Star Foundation of $2,800 and individual donations totaling $1,100. With these financial blessings, a date was set of Saturday, July 28th as our first work day. And what a work day it was. To our surprise, we had 20 volunteers, 17 from, our, from First Church and three from the Knights of Columbus. They showed up at 7 a.m. ready to work. As Linda and I discussed, it was like a fellowship of buzzing bees working together. We replaced four windows. We installed a ceiling fan and light. We added insulation and a vapor barrier to the crawl space and shored up the floor with additional support. That Craig Dietrich, his daughter Kate, and Ed were responsible for. They spent most of the day under the house in the crawl space on their tummies. We also improved the landscaping, although in the pictures it does not look like it because Ray and I cut all of the green of the beautiful azalea bushes down so that the gutter people could be there. And we had a fabulous picnic lunch. This was such a wonderful, wonderful blessing, not just for Jackie, but for everyone that participated in it. This project has been done in God's time. As you can see, because of the donations, it was his time. He not only provided the means, but he chose when we were to accomplish this goal. We're going to schedule another work day, and if you would like to be a part of this mission, we would love for you to sign up. We have sign-up sheets in the snack room,
in the breeze way, or you can just tell one of us and we'll call you. Also, if you would like to donate food maybe for the work day, you can just put food beside your name. We have so much here at First Church to thank our Lord for. He's so good to our church. And that's what we're doing today, is that we're praising God. This mission report isn't about Jackie or the volunteers. It's about sharing God's blessings, his grace. Thank you. Thank you, Linda and Vicki, for that wonderful witness, and thank you all for the way in which you've supported this. And again, we are here to thank God for what God is doing through the efforts of this church. I invite us to stand as we sing, Be Present at Our Table, Lord, and you notice we will sing this two times. From the Gospel of John, chapter 6, we hear the word of our Lord. So when the people saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum, seeking Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you, for on him has God the Father set his seal. Then they said to him, What must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. So they said to him, Then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven. My father, my father gives you the true bread from heaven. 
For the bread of God is that which comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Lord, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall not hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. This is the word of our Lord. Well, it is with some shame, some embarrassment, that I recall a particular incident from when Paula and I lived with our then-teenage daughters in Colonial Heights. The incident begins this way. One evening, while at home, our younger daughter Liz and I stepped from our kitchen into the dining room. Now, this does not sound like a big deal, and it wasn't, but it was unusual. You see, between our kitchen and the dining room, there was a sliding door. A sliding door usually kept closed. You see, there was a table and chairs in the kitchen, and we would eat there and believe it saved us some money on the utility bills if we kept the sliding door between the kitchen and the dining room shut. While practical and perhaps economical to keep this sliding door shut, It's also true we were closing off a very attractive part of our home. There was beautiful furniture placed in this dining room. There was a nice dining table and chairs. There was a handsome buffet in there, nice formal cabinets holding beautiful fine china. With the windows in the dining room, there was nice lighting and nice views of our yard. Not only this, from this dining room, you could comfortably make your way after dinner to a nice, welcoming, formal living room, and in that living room, continue a nice evening by visiting with guests. Now, it is true this dining room was not always closed off from the rest of the house. If Thanksgiving or Christmas were celebrated at our home, we, of course, enjoyed holiday meals in the dining room, and on those occasions when we had guests over to visit, we'd eat in the dining room. So there in that nice, attractive dining room one evening, Liz and I stood and gathered in this incident, I recall, with some measure of embarrassment. You see, as Liz reflected on our life as a family, as to how we rarely sat together for a meal, that Dad would often be at church in the evenings for meetings, and older sister had started working, and often in the evening, and Mom might be home preparing a lesson plan on the computer for her preschool class the next day, and Liz herself might be playing volleyball. But it was Liz who realized, as she looked at this life of this family of four, we were missing something, and something that was really not replaceable, something for which there is no substitute. Realizing this better than her elders in the family, It was then that Liz said to me, why don't we agree to eat as a family in the dining room once a week? Doesn't seem to be too much to ask, does it? Doesn't seem too much to ask for members of a family to behave like members of a family. Doesn't seem to be too much to ask for those who share the same name in the same blood, to gather at table. 
As I recall this experience with Liz and feel again the weight of that experience, I have some feeling that is the experience for which Jesus calls. As he tells us to feed upon the bread of life, as he calls us to sit at table with him and to talk with him of all that has happened that day. As we realize how basic, how life-giving is this experience of gathering at table to share in daily bread, is it any wonder that of all the miracles Jesus performs in each of the Gospels, there is only one miracle that appears in all four Gospels, that miracle being feeding of the 5,000. Because is it not essential to our faith, is it not at the heart of our faith, that we know Jesus closest to us, we know Jesus most intimate with us, when we sit at table and to know him as the bread of life. It is at this table we may hear Jesus with great urgency Tell us that the most basic work of the people of God is to believe in the one who has sent him. Again, here we are called to believe. Now, that sounds easy enough. But still, I know, like I believe all of us know, that faith and belief in Jesus can be somewhat conditional. What I mean when I say this is that if conditions in our lives are favorable, then it appears not to be asking us too much to believe. So I believe it's not unusual that if if the bills are paid and the marriage is sound and relations with children are good and if health is favorable, it may be easy for us then to say, praise the Lord and believe all we are asked to believe about Jesus. But on the other hand, if relationships and family are conflicted and the bills are past due and if the doctor is calling for further test, then it may be it's more difficult for us to confess the belief that Jesus is Lord. Well, though this may not speak well of us, I still believe it's understandable. For the truth is, though it may sound as if little is asked of us when we are asked to believe Jesus is Lord, The truth is that very much is being asked of us to confess faith in Jesus. Because it appears we are being asked to believe in those things that at times may not appear to be true at all. For example, we are asked to believe Jesus is Lord of our lives. But we see how we are subject to so many other forces in our lives. Government, Weather, taxes, aging. We are asked to believe God is the one who brings order to the chaos of our lives. He is a a God of order. But we know very well this is such a chaotic time in which we live. Dis-ease among world nations. Dis-ease within this nation. We are asked to believe our God is a God who makes us all one. Remembering last week's scripture that God is the one who breaks down all the dividing walls of hostility. Yet we know perhaps more now than at any other time there is division even within the church, even within the body of Christ. So despite that temptation 
to hold on to this idea that believing in Jesus is a behavior asking little of us. The truth is, to believe, ask much of us. We know it takes much to believe when all evidence around us appears to run headlong against what we believe. This morning, Jesus asked us to believe this bread is the body of Christ. Jesus asked us to believe this cup is the blood of Christ. There is much we are asked to believe, isn't there? It just looks like bread. It just looks like a cup. Body of Christ, blood of Christ in this loaf and in this cup. Can we believe that? We're being asked to believe much. Being asked to believe much when our family and our friends and our co-workers may say to us, you, you belong to the church? Why? I thought you were more sophisticated than that. We are asked to believe much when there are so many other voices than that of the church calling us to be elsewhere, to be doing something else on this Lord's Day. Belief, though it may appear to be an easy, passive act, it's not that easy, is it? In fact, it appears there is a great price to be paid for believing Jesus is the Son of God, the one who comes to take away the sin of the world. We discover faith is not passive at all. Here again, the word of God is found in John chapter 6 this morning. This is the work of God to believe in the one he has sent. Believing is work, according to Jesus. Believing in Jesus as Son of God is not passive behavior. In fact, believing Jesus as Son of God may be the most daring and defiant of behaviors. To believe Jesus is Lord, meaning Caesar is not Lord, that's rebellious. To believe Jesus is Lord and not any belief system and not ourselves, that's rebellious. Faith is at times hard work, not a passive act. In fact, it appears that believing in this Jesus is the most defiant of behaviors. So it's not always to, easy to believe, is it? The truth is, it may never be easy to believe. Well, that's one reason we need to be here this morning. I have heard more than one person in the various churches I have served throughout the years say that those mornings I least feel like going to church are the mornings I most need to be in church, because it may be your belief rubs off on my unbelief. It may be your spirit lifts mine. It may be that through your singing, through your confession, through your affirmation, through your prayer, I am carried into the presence of God with you. It may be you even welcome me to the table with you. As I find myself within this community of faith, your faith helps my unbelief.
And it may be there are those Sundays when I do the same for you. We remember as well, God's own spirit helps us believe, gives to us the gift of faith. This spirit is the one who prays for us when despite all our efforts, we still can't find the words with which to pray. So we find ourselves gathered within that which Jesus names as the work of God, that we believe in the one he has sent. We find ourselves gathered as family at the dining table, the most gracious of hosts before us. As we engage in this work of faith, we also see, as Jesus tells us we will see, the glory of God. If you believe, says Jesus, you will see the glory of God. And all around us, everywhere we look, it's true. We see the glory of God because together we work to believe. Amen. We affirm our faith with the Apostles' Creed, which is before us, also page 7 in our hymnals. I invite us to stand and affirm our faith. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven, is seated at the right hand of the Father, and will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Be seated. We go to God as we pray. We do so with the prayers of the people, a responsive time of prayer in which I will speak various petitions, concluding each with the words, Lord, in your mercy, and invite from you the response to hear our prayer, inviting you to name those persons or situations that you'd like to lift to God as we pray. Let us pray. Lord, we give you thanks for daily bread. Lord, we give you thanks for living bread. You have set a place at your table for us. You have prepared a table before us. And there you meet us and feed us forgive us 
and sustain us. We give you thanks. Lord, in your mercy. And hear us, Lord, as we pray for the people of this congregation. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, in your mercy. Hear us, Lord, as we pray for those who suffer and those in trouble. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, in your mercy. Hear us as we pray for the concerns of this community. Lord, in your mercy. for those still displaced by the apartment fire. Lord, in your mercy, hear us as we pray for your world, its peoples, and its leaders. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, in your mercy, Hear us as we pray for your church, its leaders, its members, and its mission. Lord, in your mercy. Bishop Lewis, Janine Howard, Ministries of First Church. Lord, in your mercy. And Lord, hear our prayers gathered with those of your saints whose presence we know as we worship and as we gather at table with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Christ, our Lord, invites to his table all who love him, who earnestly repent of their sin and seek to live in peace with one another. Therefore, let us confess our sin before God and one another. I invite us to share in this prayer of confession. We will share responsibly as it is before us, let us pray. O God, you bring justice to the oppressed and to give bread to the hungry. You free the prisoner and restore sight to the blind. You support the downtrodden and protect the stranger. You block evildoers and help orphans and widows. You stand against injustice. You stand with the wronged. You condemn those who seek their own interest, controlling and harming others. You bring about justice and true peace among people. And hear the good news that God forgives us. 
that Christ died for us while we were yet sinners, and that proves God's love toward us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. And let us welcome one another as we pass the peace of Christ. As we find our places, I'll invite us to worship God as we receive his tithes and our offerings. Let us pray. Lord, you provide for us daily bread and so much more. You sustain us even with the gift of living bread. And you bless us beyond measure. We give you thanks and pray that these gifts return to you will be a faithful expression of our thanksgiving and that in your care they may bless many. Amen.
The table is set, and a place is set for each of us. The body of Christ, the blood of Christ before us, and we remember. I'll invite you to follow along as we share in this great thanksgiving. I will lead us through this, inviting us to share in various responses. The, the prayer of great thanksgiving, as I offer it, will differ just slightly uh, from what is before you, because as I offer it, it is appropriate to the scripture we shared this morning. Your responses will remain the same, and they will be sung responses. Choir will lead us as we approach those responses. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and a joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. You hear our cries and supplications. When we sin, you are a forgiving God. We place our hopes in you, O God of steadfastness. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and adjoin their unending hymn. Blessed is your Son, Jesus Christ. He is the bread of life, come down from heaven, bread which never perishes, but endures forever and gives life to the world. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and to death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, he took bread gave thanks to you, broke the bread, gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples and said, Drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith.
pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us, the body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the world, the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood, which is joined and knit together, building itself up in love. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world, until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at the heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit in your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. with the confidence that we have as children of God, let us pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and to deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever. Amen. Because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one loaf. The bread which we break is a sharing in the body of Christ. The cup over which we give thanks is a sharing in the blood of Christ. This is the table of our Lord. A place has been set for each of you. Come to the table. There will be two stations. As you come down the center aisle, you will receive a portion of the bread, which you're then invited to dip into the cup that is held before you. As you feel led, you may then kneel here at the communion rail for prayer. Also, we have heard about the many missions of the church. There are two mission boxes here. As you come forward, as is custom during communion, you're invited to contribute uh, to the mission boxes in support of the ministries of this church. Come to the table. Our choir will come first. I invite us to share the closing prayer, which is before us, also at the bottom of page 11. Let us pray. Eternal God, we give you thanks for this holy mystery in which you have given yourself to us. Grant that we may go into the world and the strength of your spirit to give ourselves for others in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. And our closing hymn, I invite us to stand as we sing One Bread, One Body, number 620.
We go as a light into this community and beyond, and we go as those who have been fed and forgiven, and those who are kept unto eternal life by the living bread. Go now in peace, in the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen.